This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. Well, good evening. This is Brother Matthew, and I'm very excited to be back with you for another opportunity to study our Father's Word. If you're listening to this broadcast right now live, September the 30th, we are actually beginning our Feast of Tabernacles here at the congregation in Georgia. And we've got tents and campers and temporary dwellings here for Chag Sukkot, known in English as the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. A lot of people out here, campfires going. We're having a great time for the feast, and we're planning on having a good time, a lot of good fellowship, a lot of good food, and most importantly, a lot of great studies going on all week long here October the 1st through the 8th for the last commanded festival on Yahweh's calendar. We believe that we should be celebrating the appointed times of Yahweh. They are His appointed times. Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 2, Yahweh says, These are my feasts. And so we're about our Father's business in celebrating His feasts. We do not believe in celebrating what the majority of the church world would consider to be Christian holidays. Holidays like Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Valentine's Day. Some people call it St. Valentine's Day. We don't believe any of those are biblical, and we don't believe any of those should be celebrated in the context of the Christian faith. And that's because these festivals actually stem, every one of them stem from heathen pagan origin. And what I mean when I say that is these festivals stem from the worship of other mighty ones. That's right. They do not stem from the worship of Yahweh. Later on down the line, these festivals, these pagan festivals, became quote-unquote baptized into the Christian faith in the Bible. Therefore, we have Christmas now being the birth of Christ, when in reality, nobody knows when our Savior was born. Nobody can be 100% for certain when he was born, but we can be certain that he was not born December the 25th. That's another message in and of itself, but based upon some things that are written in Luke chapter 2, we know that he was not born in the winter time. December 25th was chosen by the Christian church to be the birthday of Christ, by the Roman Catholic church, I should say, to be the birthday of Christ, because the heathens already had many festivals that took place around the winter solstice. The winter solstice nowadays on the Gregorian calendar takes place on December the 21st. That is the day that is the shortest day of the year and the longest night of the year. And because heathens worship the S-U-N sun, they began to bring, during the winter solstice festivals, they began to bring in items in their homes, such as evergreen trees, holly bushes, things that never died. 
in order to, in their minds, appease their deity, the S-U-N son, to come back because the days were getting shorter and nights longer. So that, in a nutshell, is what December 25th is all about. Easter has nothing to do with the Bible. That name, Easter, actually stems from Ishtar, or Ashtoreth, which is a pagan fertility goddess. Ashtoreth is mentioned in the Bible. As a matter of fact, there was a time in the history of ancient Israel, during that particular time in the Old Covenant, Baal was the main chief male deity, or Baal, as is properly pronounced, and Ashtoreth was the main chief female deity. But she's a deity of fertility, and therefore we've got rabbits who are very fertile, laying eggs around this time. None of it has to do with the resurrection. None of it has to do with the Messiah. All of these festivals can be found in pagan heathen religion. And later on down the line, the Roman Catholic Church began to, quote-unquote, baptize these festivals and try to Christianize these festivals. We don't celebrate these festivals at our congregation. They're not biblical. They're not commanded. They're pagan and heathen. And Yahweh tells us in Deuteronomy 12, verses 28 through 32, he told the people of Israel, and it remains the same for us today, that when we enter into the land where the heathens dwell, that we are not to inquire after them and ask them, how do you worship your mighty ones? We'll do likewise. How do you give homage to your mighty ones? We want to do the same. We want to worship our mighty ones in the same way that you worship your mighty one. It's not to be done. We also find a passage, and I think I'm going to open up to this one because I can't remember it by heart. We find a passage in Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus 18, beginning at verse 1, says, Yahweh spoke to Moses, speak to the Israelites, and tell them, I am Yahweh your mighty one. Do not follow the practices of the land of Egypt where you used to live, or follow the practices of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You must not follow their customs. You are to practice my ordinances, and you are to keep my statutes by following them. I am Yahweh, your mighty one. Keep my statutes and ordinances. A person will live if he does them. I am Yahweh. And so all of these pagan, heathen, customary practices of these various nations that they had came out of, like Egypt, or that they were going into, like the Canaanites, they were not to imitate their customs. And all of these days... Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Valentine's, and a slew of other ones have pagan, heathen origin. And we should not celebrate them. And thanks be to Yahweh by His grace. We here at the congregation, ministers of the New Covenant Fellowship, the Fellowship of Yahweh here in Conyers, Georgia, by His grace, it's nothing that we've done. He chose us by His grace and His mercy. And He has brought us out of darkness into this marvelous light. I used to celebrate the pagan holidays. I did not know any better at a particular time in my life. Now that I've come to the knowledge of the truth, I recognize that it's one thing not to know anything, but once you come to the knowledge of the truth, you cannot reject that knowledge. You cannot reject further insight. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you that you will be no more of a priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy mighty one, I will also forget your children. Now, I don't want Yahweh to forget my children. I want Yahweh to remember my children. I want to raise up a righteous seed. And the way to do that is not to follow the ways of the heathen, 
The way to do that is to teach your children diligently the Torah, the commandments of Almighty Yahweh. And in this case, as we're doing beginning tonight, we're teaching them the commandment of dwelling in booths in the seventh month. I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. This might be the first time you've ever heard of anything like this. We are in the seventh moon right now on Yahweh's calendar, and I'm going to open up my Bible to the book of Leviticus chapter 23. We've actually already celebrated two other annual festivities mentioned in Leviticus 23 in this seventh month. These in Hebrew are known as Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur. Yom Teruah is the new moon of the seventh month. And let me just state this because we might have a lot of new listeners or it's okay for those of us that know this to be reminded. Apostle Peter said it's good to stir up our minds by way of reminder. Anytime the Bible uses the word month, or I should say the majority of the time that you see the word month in Scripture, it is the Hebrew word hodesh. And hodesh either means new moon or an entire lunar month. That is right. It is a word that has lunar connotations. You even find in the book of Kings and also the book, I believe, of Ezra, how that the word hodesh is used interchangeably with another Hebrew word, Yerach. The Hebrew word Yerach literally refers to the orb of the moon. Those words are used interchangeably because Chodesh is a term that has lunar connotations. The biblical calendar, the calendar that Yahweh gave to the people of Israel, was a solar, lunar, stellar calendar. That is, it was a calendar that consisted of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And because that's coming to my mind right now, I think before we go to Leviticus 23, I think we ought to go back to the book of Genesis. And we'll just make this sermon tonight, this lesson tonight, one on the subject of the calendar, and we'll center in on the Feast of Tabernacles as we move throughout the time in the broadcast. In the book of Genesis, or in Hebrew, Bereshit, the name Bereshit means in the beginning, and that's because the very first sentence in this book begins with in the beginning, Elohim, or the Mighty One, created the heavens and the earth. So that's why it's called Bereshit in Hebrew. In verse 14 it says this, Then the Mighty One said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for festivals and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. The Mighty One made the two great lights, the greater light to have dominion over the day and the lesser light to have dominion over the night, as well as the stars. Now, if I asked you, what are these lights that the Mighty One Yahweh placed in the expanse of the heavens? What are these lights that serve as signs for festivals and for days and years? What's the great light and the lesser light? We know that the stars are mentioned by name here in this particular text down in verse 16. But what's the greater light and the lesser light? Well, I think, even without going to my next scripture, I think that you would fathom, you would recognize that the greater light to rule by day is the sun, the S-U-N, sun. And the lesser light to rule by night with the stars would have to be the 
moon. I think we could gather that, even though sun and moon are not particularly mentioned in the text, I think we could gather that they are implied. That's what's being talked about. But just in case anybody questions that, we can turn to another passage in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, out of the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 35, we read, not the words of the prophet, but the words of Yahweh through the prophet. And so we know that this is going to be truth, not only from an inspired prophetic book, but it is directly from the mouth of Almighty Yahweh. Look at Jeremiah 31, 35. This is what Yahweh says. The one who gives the sun for light by day, the fixed order of moon and stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea and makes its waves roar, Yahweh of hosts is his name. So here we see Yahweh defining what that greater and lesser light in Genesis 1, 14 through 16 is. It is the sun that is ruling by day and the moon that is ruling by night along with the stars. So Yahweh's calendar, remember he said, let them serve for signs and for seasons or festivals, Moedim in Hebrew, days and years. This is to be Yahweh's calendrical measurements, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And also, let me point out that I will offer a free and postpaid book that I can send to you. Listen in at the end of the broadcast for the telephone number or the website address. This book covers many calendar concepts in the Bible. The book is titled, Look at the Stars. And while the majority of the first part of the book is about the stars, there is also appendices in that book that deal with the sun and the moon. And I want to offer that book to you. Look at the stars free and postpaid to anybody that requests it. Now, getting back to our subject, let's go back to Leviticus chapter 23. We've learned that the sun, moon, and stars are Yahweh's calendar. We've learned that the word month in Leviticus 23 is the word chodesh, which means new moon or an entire lunar month. And the lunar months consist of either 29 or 30 days, depending on the cycle of the moon. You can have what's called a small month or a large month, a deficient month or an exact month. These are names that some feast keepers have placed upon the 29 and 30 day months. And in this seventh month, in Leviticus 23, verse 24, we learn that on the new moon, on the first day of that month, is a memorial of joyful noise. Literally in the Hebrew, it is zikron teruah. Zikron means a remembrance or a memorial, and teruah means joyful noise, like the the trump of a trumpet, the sound the trumpet makes, the clapping of the hands, the shout from the mouth, the playing of the guitar, the tickling of the ivories on the keys. All of these are ways to teruah, and I won't get into this in this sermon, but that day is actually a memorial of the creation or the foundation of the earth. I've taught other sermons on that. You can check that out on my website at ministersnewcovenant.org. The last annual holy day that we celebrated in the seventh month is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur means the Day of Atonement, sometimes called Yom HaKippurim, the Day of Atonements. 
The reason it's called atonements in the plural is because it's not just the people's sins, the people of Israel's sins, that are being atoned for, but it's also the priest and his family, the holy place, the sanctuary, and the entire tabernacle that has to be atoned for as well because of the impurities of the people of Israel. And so on that day, there were several animal sacrifices brought, sin offerings, burn offerings, grain offerings were brought, and all of this purified the worshiper's flesh, and it also purified the earthly tabernacle. And we do know that when it pertains to our consciences and our entrance into the heavenly tabernacle, we know that the blood of animals does not suffice, but the blood of Yahweh's own son, Yeshua, who was the son of Yahweh, his blood is applied to our life to cleanse our consciences and also to purify us and make us holy in order to enter into the heavenly tabernacle. The earthly tabernacle is a copy of the tabernacle in the heavens. And you can read about that in the book of Exodus chapter 25 and also throughout the book of Hebrews chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10. Well, we celebrated that day about five days ago from tonight. And tonight we begin to celebrate what... This particular Bible translation calls the Festival of Booths in Leviticus 23, verse 33. It says this, Yahweh spoke to Moses, verse 34, Tell the Israelites, and the Israelites are Yahweh's people. They're Yahweh's chosen people. There are 12 tribes of Israel. Sometimes people erroneously refer to all of Israel by the term Jew, J-E-W. That is not correct. The term Jew actually even is a misnomer in our English Bibles. It is in Hebrew, Yehuda or Yehudim. If we wanted to anglicize that, we would say Judahite. And when Judahite is used in Scripture, it always refers to an individual or a people group from the house, tribe, or geography of Judah. All right? So... In the house of Judah, which is the southern kingdom in Israel, we have primarily the tribes of Judah and Benjamin with some Levites, some priests interspersed and sprinkled amongst that southern kingdom. And then in the northern tribe of Israel, we have ten tribes. And the reason we have two tribes and ten tribes with a total of twelve is because these tribes stem from the twelve sons of Jacob Israel mentioned in the book of Genesis. Jacob Israel had 12 sons, sons like Asher and Naphtali and Joseph and Benjamin. He had all of these sons, and from these sons were born grandsons and great-grandsons and great-great-grandsons. And the promises that were given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, that their descendants will become a multitude of nations, these multitude of nations are referred to as Israelites, people from the man named Israel. Jacob Israel. Israel is a name that means ruling with Elohim. So this is who the feasts were given to. They're Yahweh's feasts, mind you. But Yahweh gave them to the nation of Israel. Now, that doesn't mean that a non-Israelite cannot keep these feasts. In the Bible, there does exist strangers, certain strangers, not all of them, but certain strangers that can join themselves to the people of Israel, love the name Yahweh, serve the name Yahweh, and obey all of his commandments that pertain to them, including his festivals. 
but Yahweh gave his feasts only to the nation of Israel. All right? Now, it says in verse 34, Tell the Israelites, the festival of booths to Yahweh begins on the 15th day of this seventh month, or we could say seventh moon, don't forget that, Chodesh, and it continues for seven days. So here we learn that the festival of booths begins on the 15th day of the seventh moon. And it lasts for seven days. So it goes through the 21st day of the seventh moon. The 21st day of the seventh moon would be the seventh day of the feast. And once that day is over, the festival of booths has come to a close. Now there is something called Shemini Atzeret, which is the final day, which is called the eighth day here, as we'll, Yahweh's will we'll read about in Leviticus 23. But that eighth day is a Shabbat. It is a Sabbath. And it is not a day that you are required by law to dwell in a sukkah or a booth. Sukkah is the Hebrew word for booth or tabernacle. Sukkot, as sometimes this festival is called, is the plural word meaning tabernacles or booths. Now, this day, this feast, I should say, begins on the 15th day of the seventh moon. Now, I have to do this, and I don't know if time's going to permit all of this, but I have to turn over to Psalm 81 because I want to show you something here. In Psalm 81 that I believe is a reference to Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Psalm 81, verse 1. Sing for joy to the Mighty One, our strength. Shout in triumph to the Mighty One of Jacob. Lift up a song, play the tambourine, the melodious lyre, and the harp. Blow the horn during the Chodesh and during the Keseh on the day of our Hag. Now, I threw some Hebrew terms in there, and I do not want you to be confused by them. Some people say, Brother Matthew, you speak those Hebrew terms, and I'm getting confused. But no, I like to tell them you're being unconfused. Hebrew is the language that the Tanakh, primarily the language, some in Aramaic, but primarily the Tanakh, the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew, and so it's okay for us to study the original Hebrew language in which the Tanakh was written. Now, I will read it back in English in the way that this Bible translates it. Blow the horn, Psalm 81.3, during the new moon and during the full moon on the day of our feast. That word new moon is Chodesh, and it refers to the festival month, and it actually refers to both the first month and the seventh month because both of those are festival months. And then it says, and during the full moon, which is the Hebrew word keseh, which means the fullness of, of the moon to be plump, full, covered with light, the moon is, on the day of our Chag. That word feast is Chag. It means a pilgrimage, a pilgrim feast. Three times a year the males were to appear before Yahweh Elohim of Israel. They were to come down to the primary city, the capital city actually in Judah, which was Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, and they were to celebrate the festivals. We read in Luke chapter 2 that Yeshua, when he was 12 years old, went with his parents to Jerusalem, as was their custom, to celebrate the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They were to do this every year, three times a year, not just at Unleavened Bread, but three times a year. At Unleavened Bread, weeks, or Pentecost, and also at Tabernacles. And this tells us that the Chag, the pilgrimage, is during the full moon. And the new moon, 
which is on the first day of the month, takes place after the conjunction of the moon, the day after conjunction. The moon begins to rebuild immediately after conjunction, and then the next evening-to-evening period is the first day of that lunar moon rebuilding. And then approximately 14 to 15 days after that, we see the moon in all of its fullness. And the moon looks full about two nights in the month, sometimes three nights in the month. During the fullness of that moon is when the Chag is to be celebrated, according to Psalm 81.3. Blow the horn. The horn is the shofar. It's the animal, curved horn, off of the head of the animal, the ram, or the other animals out in the wilderness that they would get horns from, and then they would blow them in praise to Yahweh. So this is saying blow the horn on the full moon. Full moon is a calendar measurement. This is letting us know that the full moon and the 15th day that we read about in Leviticus 23 are equivalent. They're equivalent times. Let's continue reading Psalm 81 verse 4 very quickly. For this is a statute for Israel, a judgment of the mighty one of Jacob. He set it up as an ordinance for Joseph when he went throughout the land of Egypt. I heard an unfamiliar language. I relieved his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from carrying the basket. What is this talking about? This is talking about the removal from Egypt. When he removed his hands from carrying the baskets and the burdens on the shoulders of Israel. That's what this is referring to. It happened on the full moon. That's when he ordained it as a statute. Now, when did the Israelites get their release from Egypt? Look with me to Numbers 33. Verse 3. It says, They departed from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the month or the moon. On the day after the Passover, the Israelites went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. See, Yahweh ordained the full moon feasts to take place. He ordained them as statutes when he delivered the Israelites from Egypt. And those two feasts, those two major feasts, long feasts in Israel, seven days each, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Tabernacles, both start on the full moon. They both start on the 15th day, right in the middle of the month. The Israelite historian Philo, who was from the tribe of Levi, records on the 15th day, on the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Tabernacles, the full moon rises just as the sun sets, and it stays in the sky all night long. Uh, This is so beautiful when we puzzle piece these scriptures together. So I don't have much time left, but let's go back to Leviticus 23. Because we're talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, we're out here at my local congregation, the congregation I attend. We're out here keeping Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. This is our first night of dwelling in booths because this night begins the 15th day of the seventh moon. Leviticus 23 verse 35 tells us there is to be a sacred assembly on the first day. You are not to do any servile work. Now, sacred assembly. This is uh, Mikra, Mikra Kodesh in Hebrew. Uh, Kodesh is not to be confused with the other term, Kodesh, that we mentioned with the soft CH sound. This word Kodesh, Mikra Kodesh, means holy gathering. And that's what we actually are doing right now. But we do have formal meetings here at our congregation. And tomorrow we will have a Mikra Kodesh, a sacred assembly. It is a holy gathering. It's a set-apart public gathering. We're the brothers and sisters. We come together. We sing songs of praise to Yahweh. 
we blow the shofar, we blow the silver trumpets of Numbers 10, we testify of the goodness of Yahweh, we share prayer requests with one another, and then we have the teaching of the word during the Mikra Kodesh. This is the sacred assembly. It is commanded on the feast day. And as I've said before, this might be your first time ever hearing these things. If it is, please give me a call. My number will be at the end of this broadcast. Or if you'd rather not call, give me an email. My website address will be at the end of this broadcast. I can send you free information on Yahweh's calendar. I can send you free information on the Sabbaths, the feast days. And I'd love for you to begin to study about this very important aspect of worship to our Heavenly Father. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I have five young children. They've never kept the pagan unholy days. They've only kept Yahweh's beautiful, sacred, holy days. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It's never too late for you to repent from celebrating pagan days and begin to celebrate Yahweh's holy days. I love you, and I appreciate you for listening. Don't forget that free book offer, Look at the Stars. It's a book all about Yahweh's calendar. Listen in at the end of the broadcast. I'll send you one free and postpaid. Have a great evening, and if you're keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, have a wonderful Chag Sukkot. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.